Hello and welcome to an Oh God, What Now emergency podcast. We picked the right day to relaunch the podcast, didn't we? We were busily promoting the new show when news came through of Jeremy Corbyn's suspension from the Labour Party after news that the Equality and Human Rights Commission had found the Labour Party responsible for unlawful harassment and discrimination during his term as leader. So here we are with an emergency podcast on the same day as the very first edition. If you're new to Patreon, don't get used to it. It's not like this all the time. I'm Andrew Harrison. And I've got Ian Dunt and Alex Andreo with me, a shell-shocked and stunned Ian Dunt and a shell-shocked and stunned Alex Andreo to explain what the hell's going on. So, Ian, firstly, did you watch Starmer's speech in the press conference? Did you see it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you make of it? Because it was quite a thing. It was, I mean, it was good. The thing is, you can't... He said the right things and he has this opportunity because the report is saying, look... Uh, the leader of the opposition's office under uh, Jeremy Corbyn, you know, was interfering in things. That kind of gives him a bit of a get out for a lot of this stuff. Because you can just say, well, look, I- I'm not going to make the same mistake. I'm sending up, I'm setting up this sort of legitimate, clear, independent process for complaints. So then ask me to get too involved. And so people looking at it could go either way, right? You'd be like, well, maybe he, he really is going to, he's going to be pretty tough on this stuff. Or maybe he's using that as an excuse. What happened in the moments after that? That's yes. Which is when he was like, well, and now, you know, we're suspending Jeremy Corbyn. You're like, okay, so he's clearly going to take this very seriously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've been to certain people of the Starmer's not really uh, up for the fight persuasion. We're kind of expecting a damp squib or some kicking into the long grass. That's very much not what happened, but large of it, to say the least. But it seemed to be triggered by st- by by Corbyn's own determination to uh, you know, to, to contravene the very thing that Starmer had just said. Starmer says, if you are in any way minimising anti-Semitism, you don't belong anywhere near the Labour Party. And Corbyn pops up and says, I'm minimising anti-Semitism right now. Yeah. And, and what's important to note is it's not just Starmer's speech that he was going against. It's also the report itself. And in fact, when the report is pointing to people uh, who it thinks is considered unlawful, one of them is Ken Livingstone, um, It's complaining not just about the use of anti-Semitic tropes. The other point that it raises against these figures is suggesting that complaints of anti-Semitism are fake or smears. That's a quote from the report. That's what they're looking at. Now, you look at what um, Jeremy Corbyn himself said. He said, the scale of the problem was also dramatically overstated for political reasons by our opponents inside and outside the party, as well as much as the media. So actually, even outside of Starmer's speech, the comments that Jeremy Corbyn made this morning fell into the category, not just of the culture of the Labour Party, but of what they considered to be, you know, the, the creation of anti-Semitism within the party in the report itself. So it's not just a speech. You know, it's part of the problem. It's exactly part of the problem. It's as if he woke up this morning and thought, how can I best demonstrate my own inadequacy and active engagement in the creation of anti-Semitism in the Labour Party? Just dialing back from that back from that for a quarter of a second, was the EHRC report as scathing and comprehensive as we were expecting? Yeah, I thought it was uh, insanely damning. I mean, it was much worse than I thought it was going to be. First, I didn't think that they were going to find anything was unlawful at all. Secondly, what their point, I mean, they keep on making the point and it's being routinely ignored on Twitter right now where people are, you know, the Corbyn lot are sending out tweets going, oh, they've only found a couple of instances. No, what they said was, we found a couple, we have to make this absolutely clear in the cases that we pursue. But this, and again, another quote is the tip of the iceberg. They found several other cases that they thought could go one way or another and they decided they weren't going to pursue on that basis. And they said over and over, They said, in many more files, evidence of anti-Semitic conduct by ordinary members of the Labour Party. 
So over and over, they found a sustained problem. They looked at the previous reports, for instance, the Chakrabarti report, which was shit in and of itself, but anyway, hadn't been implemented by the Labour Party. They looked at the funding for the complaints procedure that hadn't been followed through on. They looked at training for the complaints procedure that hadn't been followed through on. They took a, a set of around 70 cases and found that in 23 of them, the leader of the opposition's office had actively interfered in the case, including, by the way, in Jeremy Corbyn's own fucking case. So or you look at it and you just think, no, this is, an, uh, it's hard to see how the report could have been any more damning. So the desperate, flailing attempts from the sort of Corbyn websites and Corbyn outriders in the media today to go, oh, you're, you know, to, to snatch some kind of sentence where they think everything's okay is as deep a, mis- a sort of um, a misrepresentation of that report as you could possibly ask for. Well, as listener Steve Yates said on social media, however, on the plus side, those first-rate disciplinary procedures that Jenny Formby put in place mean that Jeremy's suspension case will be heard very, very quickly and dealt with quick. So that, that's good to hear. Alex, the suspension of Corbyn is, is, is seismic. I can't think of a comparable thing. I can't think of a former leader being of any party being suspended for anything. The New Statesman says Starmer has started a civil war. He can't be sure of winning. How's he? What do you think? I feel incredibly sad. I think it's a very sombre moment for the Labour Party party because I'm scared that the left of the party, of which I am a part, um, will paint itself into a corner um, and and feel it has nowhere to go but sort of schism away. And I would, I would caution mm. people to count to 10 and think very carefully um, because actually, the, you know, this is an organization that has always encompassed different strands of thinking. There's always been internal tensions between the various um, uh, the various schools of thoughts with thought within the Labour Party. And it is now that uh, a sort of calm, rational, well-articulated argument for the left is most necessary, especially because of COVID and the economic uh, uh, catastrophe that will follow, and because of Brexit and the economic catastrophe that will follow. It's absolutely crucial that people do not hitch their wagon to Corbyn personally, but stay in the party and fight for the for the causes of left-leaning economics. That sounds great, but have you seen social media today? It was a bloodbath, and the comments on on Starmer's speech in particular, because I watched it live on Facebook, all the comments were, frankly, people lining up to be expelled from the party. Comment after comment saying, this is bullshit, it smears, it's all made up, denying it, minimising it, and demanding that Corbyn return as Labour Party leader, which is it's a fantasy, but it's a legitimate fantasy. What is not legitimate is to simply do exactly what Ian described, which is to, to deny, minimise and attack the core of the, re- the report. I mean, what you just described could be very desirable. It's not going to happen, is it? Well, listen, um, that is the, the sort of knee-jerk reaction of the, the people who are hovering over a keyboard to say that stuff anyway. Um, I have a choice as a Labour Party member to add to that uh, polarization to add to that spirit of fight to the death or to try to be more measured and more rational and I'm choosing the latter. Can I substantiate that because I, I'm I, you know quite a few people that I knew that were Corbyn supporters over the last few years including several that I fell out with um, 
who did uh, either leave the Labour Party or simply stopped supporting Corbyn in those really ghastly years and sort of, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019, uh, as this problem became really clear. And those guys are not going to be leaving it now over this. There was many who thought, you know, who, who were there for the economics, who were there for some of the politics, um, and were very happy to see um, supported Keir Starmer and saw him take over. So the, the guys that we're seeing, we see the worst on social media, yeah. right? We just see the most flailing, sort of lips-fleckled, frothing-at-the-mouth loons. And that is not necessarily representative of where we are. I'm sure there is like, a decent minority who might want to go off and form another party, and they're lost in this leader worship of him. But that's not the entirety of the Corbyn movement. And I obviously say that as someone who's, you know, pretty critical of the Corbyn well, movement. Well, you know, I, I'm very sympathetic to the Corbyn movement in terms of its politics. I voted for him the first time around. Mm-hmm. But what became almost instantly clear was that he was someone promoted into a position for which he was ill-equipped. And he proved that again today. He proved a disastrous sense of political timing. He proved that he has absolutely zero antenna for what is going on, for what is the right thing to say at the right moment, and said absolutely the wrong thing at the wrong moment. I mean, for me, the issue is simply this. People want to polarize the debate and have a sort of ding-dong about whether Uh, Jeremy Corbyn is a racist or not a racist, and they will hold up his record in fighting racism. Actually, I don't care. It's unprovable. I can't be in Jeremy Corbyn's mind and heart. I can't know what he's thinking. What is absolutely objectively true is that he has been shit at managing this issue, and he continued to be shit at managing this issue today. That's what this is about. And you can't talk about this issue and you can't talk about the Labour Party in general without going back to Blair. What happened was that so many members felt so betrayed by everything around the Iraq war that they came to associate managerial competence with Blairism. The two are not together. They don't go hand in hand. You can have managerial competence and progressive ideas at the same time. So You know, to me, that's simply the issue. If you were only in it for the personality, then obviously you now have a really difficult path ahead. If you were in it for progressive politics, then I would hope that the last four years will have made you, as they have made me grow up a little bit, and realize that progress is a is a slow, painful process of banking small gains. If you believe that, you know, the UK is a country that's ready for uh, a socialist revolution, then you haven't been paying attention. It's as simple as that. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry, Alex, I'm going to ruin your Thursday night because it's 20 past six and I'm just looking at Twitter and Gabriel Pogrant, co-author of The Excellent Left Out, which we had on the podcast a while ago, has just tweeted, new, Jeremy Corbyn, Seamus Mill and Carrie Murphy just held a council of war on how to respond. They were joined on Zoom by John McDonnell, reps of Unite Momentum, CLPD and campaign group. One source said Starmer is in big trouble and the belief is he's on dodgy legal ground. So the come by our moment of let's put it behind us, and particularly McDonnell, who is supposed to be the sensible person in, in, in this grouping, seems to be very, very far off. I mean, it looks like, I mean, you're absolutely right. You know, if you've, if you've been looking at the past few years as an example of how to run anything whatsoever, uh, it isn't. But it doesn't look like 
the people who ran the show in that period are going to do anything other than double and triple down. But that's understandable because they feel they have a sort of legacy to protect. And I understand that emotionally, their reaction is we're not going to let them basically erase everything we managed to do in the last few years. And you know, they did shift the debate significantly on a number of issues. But what I'm saying is they are them. And then, you know, you have the thousands of stakeholders in the Labour Party, you have a quarter of a million members, and then you have ultimately millions of voters to whom you're talking out there. And what I'm saying is, if the majority of people in the Labour Party understand that what they're doing now is they're not addressing that group. They're addressing the Labour Party stakeholders, the members, and the people whose vote they will be asking for in a couple of years. Then we will have a much, much more sensible debate. Ian, on top of all this, the uh, the campaign against anti-Semitism has submitted complaints against 60 MPs, including Corbyn, Diane Abbott, Rebecca Long-Bailey, Richard Bergen, Barry Gardner, and this is exceedingly difficult for Starmer, Angela Rayner. There's, that's a lot of complaints. We don't know the substance of them, but what, what particularly what does the naming of Angela Rayner in this mean for Starmer? Well, I mean, we don't know. It, it, it goes back to that first thing I said. I mean, what he's going to do is... And I mean, you'd have to be, you know, by this stage, you'd, you'd have to be pretty sceptical to doubt him. You know, he's going to set up an extremely robust independent procedure that basically follows what's being recommended here, just like line by line by line. And these guys are going to get fed into that machine. And, and inclu- including, you know, Corbyn on, on what's being said now. I think, you know, he's, he's, not, he's not being suspended indefinitely. He's suspended pending an investigation, right? And it could well be that they find from that investigation that, you know, that there's no problem with, with what he said. It depends on their interpretation of how it fits, of whether what he said fits into that broader anti-Semitic trope of, well, it's all a plot. You know, whether him saying that the media is out to get us or his capitalism is out to get us is the same saying what Ken Livingston said, which is, you know, it's the Israeli lobby that's, that's trying to do this. And in fact, those two forms of conspiracy sort of slopped and slid over each other. They, they were kind of propping each other mm. up because they both referred to the kind of mentality towards people expressing them. So that would all just get put into the process, really, and we'll wait and see what comes out of it. I, I, them saying that Stum is on dodgy legal ground with this stuff is like he he manifestly is not on dodgy legal ground. <laughs> famous famous lawyer is on dodgy legal ground. See him in court, lawyer. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I wonder who's right about the law. Is it him or them? <laughs> it's, it's like when Trump told the Supreme Court, "See you in court," and they're like, "You live in court." <laughs> <laughs> See you in your house, Ian. For me, the bottom line is that this is, you know, this is a moment of peril and it has to be treated seriously. But it's also an opportunity for Starmer to actually show that, you know, he's not just words, that he will back, uh, back up his rhetoric with action to show the managerial competence that has been lacking in the Labour Party for the last few years, and actually to really draw a line under it. Yeah, that's right. And I don't, it's funny, because I I think he would have hated doing this. His entire approach has been to try and keep that broad church together and prevent another sort of descent into Labour infighting. And so I don't think this is what you want, because you don't want to take the totem, that sort of talisman of it all, and suspend them. However, it is possible that there is a medium-term gain to him, because it's hard to think 
of greater proof to those voters who are alienated, you know, natural labor voters, for instance, in North, who are, who are alienated from Corbynism, of the fact that the party's under new leadership than suspending the Because leader. you talk to any pollster, you talk to anyone who understands the statistics of, of, of psychology, and they will tell you that the reason the Labour Party's ratings are lagging behind uh, Keir Starmer's personal ratings is because the Labour Party has developed a very bad reputation in the last few years. And this could be just the thing to to uh, sanitize the image of the Labour Party and, and really make the point that it's under new management. That is close true. Moment, yeah. That is true. It, well, close for a moment is what a lot of people have been saying. But, I mean, Ian, you just described legally what the position of suspending and investigating and possibly exonerating Corbyn is. And that's all fair enough. But surely, politically, it's all or nothing. Either... He is suspended and then expelled from the Labour Party. If he's exonerated, that will essentially be he's won and he's you know the de facto leader of the Labour Party again. Surely to God, I mean, that you can't you can't have half measures on this. Like, have these people not watched the wire? You come at the king, you best not miss. God, you, you come at the guy, you, you, you come at the guy in the allotment with his you marrow. Really you best not miss. Punch up, don't you, Andrew? <laughs> well, look, I just think it's realistic politics. You can't you can't half you can't half take someone down. You can't I don't want to, I don't want to, but the thing it. is, this, this is, I don't want to say, you know, this sounds too highfalutin, but like, that is the kind of thinking that when, you know, they put the king on trial after the French Revolution, that was exactly their thinking. They were like, he can't win because if he wins, the revolution is wrong. And that is, it's the kind of thinking that leads to show trials, basically. <laughs> you have to have, you know, you, you have to have the principle of the process deals with it on the facts alone. And, and, the and, you know, I really think in this case, it's quite clear they are going to set up a process that does that. And given that it will do, it shouldn't have a further political bearing, which already comes out. Of course, if he's exonerated, of course, you're going to see days of of, of, of Corbyn sort of supporters noise online. And, and that will be frustrating because it doesn't come from, from a genuine place. It comes from the tribal warfare. But I also think it's important that we don't go the other side and go, well, he has to be, he has to be chucked out because that's part of our political game. It has to be done on the facts themselves. And by the way, for what it's worth, I, I suspect that the facts themselves in this case will be enough but for, for him to face a negative result. Yeah. I mean, where does this leave Len McCluskey with his Mandelson's gold mm. comment? Because... That was particular. That one stuck I, out and has and has cropped up a lot. I was thinking about today. that today, and I think the there there is a showdown coming between the Labour Party and McCluskey. I think it's inevitable. Um, I, I can't see how they continue to effectively do business um, with this man while while all this is going on. What do you think, Ian? Mm. Yeah, um, it, it does. I, I agree with you. I think it feels like it's coming towards some kind of crisis point, not least because he is just so dre- like so aggressively toxic. dreadful. He's yeah. toxic. Yeah. I have to say the main thing I've taken from today when you watch it is, you know, ultimately this comes down to your personal behavior with, with the guys out there who are re- refusing to, to have any, any look at the report, who are refusing to have any thoughtfulness about their response to it. And Corbyn himself... His, you know, his response beyond any sort of incompetence was just about, you can see he'd just done no search, soul searching at all. He just learned nothing. He hadn't listened at all to what was being said. And it's for each person. I sort of keep on thinking to myself, you know, 
when it's someone that I really admire, you know, in politics or anything else, and this thing happens, will I have like the, the internal sort of strength of judgment to say, no, like up with this, I will not fucking put, you know, that I, despite my politics, I will not just follow the leader. I will stand up against it. And that what you're seeing online, there will be many people who are doing the right thing on that stuff. Usually it's a more quiet, more introspective process. And you're seeing lots of people online who are not doing that. And the main thing I take from days like today is just reminding yourself, no, when it comes on me, when the light is being shone on my sort of more tribal sort of um, uh, (laughs) allies, then I hope I have the sort of feeling to not behave in the way that I'm seeing online Can I tell you what I thought was the the most remarkable little thing away from the big headlines um, that I saw today? I saw an interview with Luciana Berger on Mm -hmm. Sky News. And she said that Keir Starmer called her last night um, and called her for the sole reason uh, of apologizing to her, of saying, this is what's coming out. This is what I'm going to say. I can't tell you how sorry I am for what you've been through in the last few years. To me, that's important in two ways, both in a human sense that that his first instinct was to actually reach out to the people who have been the victims of this. And the second thing is that, to me, it is a level of stakeholder management that simply has not existed for the last few years. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, next MP for Islington North, Luciana Berger, to get the name check there. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we'll be back next week with another edition of oh god what now <laughs> if not before because god knows what's going to happen turns out it's quite a good name for a it podcast it still makes it, really? me giggle <laughs> it makes me giggle is that all right I, i'm still not it's entirely fine. used to it but it's uh, it's yeah <laughs> you can you can say it in so many different yeah. ways so Ian, how could Gunt, you entirely use it we still haven't actually released a fucking podcast yet under this thing it's still very early day. we seem to have recorded a lot but released none yeah, well, you know, that's we're just a podcast machine, and, <laughs> you know. There you go. So, uh, Alex Andreo and Ian Dunn, thank you for joining me for an emergency podcast. And we'll be back next week with another edition of Oh God, What Now? Oh God, What Now?